Achieving a gorgeous grin from home isn't a total mystery with Byteclear aligners. Just don't be surprised if all of your sleuthing friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Byteclear aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crow portrays an ex-homicide detective, unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. Hey, welcome back to The Mining Pod. On today's show, we're joined by Keith, a.k.a. Chaz on K., a somewhat private citizen journalist on Bitcoin Twitter who's been documenting and analyzing the Celsius and Celsius mining ordeal. It's been going on for about two years at this point. We talk with him about uh, the beginnings of that Chapter 11 case, all the different bids on the assets, and how it's all now managed by Hut8 and US Bitcoin. Thank you to Keith for making this show possible and for keeping diligent track of all the numbers. We'd like to thank our sponsor for this show on the Coindesk Podcast Network, CleanSpark, America's Bitcoin miner. You'll hear more from CleanSpark later in the episode. Okay, before we jump in, we also want to push people to go check out our newsletter, blockspace.media. You'll find it in today's show notes, or you can type it into a browser and find it right there. We put out two pieces of Bitcoin content per week that you can get directly to your inbox. If you're at a Bitcoin company or you work adjacently to Bitcoin at a business, this is a great newsletter and resource for you. Okay, let's jump into the episode. Hey, welcome back to the Mining Pod. We have a great episode today with Keith, a.k.a. Chaz on K or Key. Yep. How do you pronounce it? Chaz on K-E. Yep. Chaz on K-E. Perfect. Yep. Uh, I describe you as a citizen journalist. You've mostly been known for your Twitter account and your following of what's been happening with Celsius and with the Celsius mining extension through US Bitcoin and HUD8 now. Uh, so yep. first of all, welcome to the show. And we're excited yeah, to dig in it. with you all this all this information. Yeah, absolutely. I appreciate you having me on the uh, the podcast today. Cool. So we'll start off with a little bit of background again. Like I sort of see you as a citizen journalist, became aware of your work a little bit ago and just kind of followed through. You've definitely been like doing your due diligence in terms of like looking at all the public information from the Celsius chapter 11 and the follow through with uh, the purchase of of Celsius through the Fahrenheit entity and then over time into US Bitcoin. Uh, So there's a lot. There's also a lot of names in here, by the way. So (laughs) if you're an audience listener, like we're probably going to trip up on this a little bit, but there's a lot of the same entities. There's really only three or four, but I think they've all managed to change names like a few times during this whole deal. So bear with us. Yeah. And I mean, there, there's a, a laundry list of current prior kind of connected parties. It's really annoying for one. It, it's but a also web. Crazy. <laughs> it makes you question like what's actually going on in this situation, right? If everyone's changing names all the time. Yeah, yeah. It, it, it leads to a very complex situation to follow, especially for your folks that are not savvy on business. You know, they're yeah. more of your crypto kind of retirees, so to speak. You know, like they got on the bandwagon. We're like, hey, this would be a great opportunity to join Celsius. They have good yield and they say they're safer than a bank. So, I mean, you have a lot of folks that might not come from the background mm-hmm. that the lawyers and the the managers and stuff like that are coming from that are just constantly changing things and chapter 11s are just difficult in the first place right like how reports yeah yeah how does an entity get uh unwound i mean still have mount gox going on there's the ftx one right now it's been going on for a little bit but before we dive into that let's get a little background on yourself and then let's go through what happened with celsius what the company was what occurred why it went under and all that stuff yeah absolutely so my background so i was in the u.s army for about a decade I was a logistician. I handled logistics. Um, 
that's where a lot of my like understanding of like accounting finance you know budget management originated from you know we had small operations so i mean i had to take on a lot of shoes and a lot of you know tasks for myself after i got out i went to what was called i guess a regional national logistics company um and basically handled their basically their warehouse was 350,000 square feet and i joined the team when it was just uh, a bunch of steel girders <laughs> so it was a shell if anyone knows of the cedarville site for celsius it basically looked like that but bigger <laughs> um and basically helped them set up from inception till first delivery of their entire logistics chain um so that was pretty exciting that was one of my my bigger projects after that i went got my finished up my bachelor's degree I got working towards my master's here, hopefully in the next year or so. But my background's primarily business management, um, logistics, finance, accounting, and obviously a lot of analytical work. Um, so that's in a nutshell my background. <laughs> and how did you come to care about the Celsius case? From us talking beforehand, like you weren't involved with Celsius. You just kind of saw it. You saw the Chapter Eleven case, and then you like sort of took an analytical interest in it but to my understanding you don't have any assets that are tied up in this chapter 11 nor do you have nope. like any crypto assets that are kind of tied up in anything i have zero crypto assets to my name um i've made it pretty clear since the beginning days that most of my investing and portfolio primarily consists of medical research and stocks like that so people who do you know the research and then they publish it and then hopefully you know their company can put out a product is primarily what I'm focused on. My wife um, is into intellectual property law. She's um, an attorney. So she's more of the bioscience side. So we get, you know, that nice combination of I bring the business understanding, the financial side of, of the business. And she brings a science to be able to look through things and be like, hey, this business looks prop. This looks potentially good. So we kind of bring a good knack to that. But in terms of how I got involved I was pretty much, I started catching wind of this, was that July, August of 2022? And I was seeing a lot of like the short squeeze kind of coming onto my feed because I do a lot of like just finance, finance Twitter and stuff like that. I was looking at, I'm like, this looks like a scam. This looks fraudulent in, in terms of the short squeeze. And like, I was very vocal against them. Like, hey, y'all, y'all are doing some sketchy shit to, to people. Like, and, got one of the ad hoc groups um one of the guys that were running the, the ad hoc groups for the case was like hey would you be willing to check out our group's financials like what what people because they posted like this big like 16 and this is for celsius right you're speaking correct and Celsius yes yeah, celsius token sell yeah i was okay yeah so the short squeeze for the the sell short squeeze so the celsius flywheel token you know and so I was very vocal against that. And then, as I was saying, there was a ad hoc group that approached me being like, hey, they posted up our, you know, a docket of 16, it was like 16,700 something pages of PDF, four point font <laughs> um, document with everyone's information. I mean, it was names, redacted addresses, their entire crypto holdings, everything was in there. And it was just a mess. And they're like, can you help us? And so that's really what kind of got me involved because like I probably spent two weeks um, not working on it full time, of course, but like I spent about two weeks creating custom PowerShells, um, scrubbing the data, putting pieces together because I mean, it was, it was bad. <laughs> what was provided by Celsius to the court was inter like there was a lot of commingling of accounts on that there was crypto that they basically didn't everything had different formats right so like for example like if someone had like bitcoin ethereum ach or what whatever other crypto they would put those into a long string on that person's account and like sometimes there'd be a comma sometimes there'd be a space sometimes there'd be a semicolon and like it was just so messy that like if you just terrible tried... account management that's 
frustrating to hear, but not unexpected yeah. based on what we know about Celsius at this point. Yeah. Right? I mean, we ended up finding out like six months later that, I mean, they use Google Sheets to manage all their accounts. I mean, so like I can't, it was literally, however, it appeared that whoever was inputting the data, just there was no actual system in place. It was just whatever they, they put in at the time. And so I mean, like I had to do a lot of about two weeks of legitimate work to scrub this. And at that point, I was pretty much time invested. <laughs> and it just worked from there. You know, I, I started scrubbing into more of the bankruptcy financials, the business plans, you know, what was being advised to the creditors, which was poorly represented. And I was like, hey, I have a background in business management. I have an analytical experience. Like, let me let me look at this because, I mean, I've been through businesses that have not exactly been through chapter 11, but they've been through, you know, mergers, acquisitions, you know, worked with contract negotiations. So, I mean, I have a, a fairly wide breadth of experience and I was like, well, let's see what I can dig out <laughs> and then try to put it into a format that is easy for people to understand that don't have this background. And I feel like I've done a good job of that. I've tried breaking things into nice graphs. I get I get called the Excel guy a, a, a lot. <laughs> Let's go. The highest of compliments I've heard. Yeah, I mean, I, I I don't take that ill will, but you know, I think it allowed creditors to actually get an understanding now for what almost twenty months now. You know, I've yeah. been able to take a six hundred page document and boil it down into you know, 30 cells on an Excel sheet to kind of really consolidate it and then be like, hey, so this is what's happening here. This is what I'm seeing, you know, slowly working it down. And let's go back to the Celsius case, right? So like itself, Celsius was a, basically a yield farm mechanism. There was like a centralized component, decentralized component. At the end of the day, there was a lot of elements of a Ponzi scheme within it and it collapsed. The Celsius token that you mentioned had this really odd, for lack of a better word, probably could just call like criminal token sell yeah. that, you know, it, it didn't really have a utility or a purpose besides like being shoved in there. And uh, the Celsius people used it for its purposes. And, you know, now they're going to uh, through the, the criminal proceedings at the moment. But the other element that's interesting for our listeners, and we'll get to this later in the show is the mining aspect that also fed into the yield generation here where, you know, it wasn't yeah. just the token. It wasn't just, ETH staking or other token staking, they had a legitimate mining business with like, I think around 80,000 plus mining units. Now, was it run very would, well, which we will get into. For the for the audio listeners, I'm using air quotes when I say legitimate mining <laughs> business. Um, that's why we're having you on, Keith. <laughs> that's what we got to get into. I mean, on paper, at 80,000 plus ASICs, they had sites, they had co-ops to run these through legitimate providers like Core Scientific, but we'll get into that in... in yep to it in a minute um i want to keep going back on this like what got you interested in it and what was like the next step past that so like you started paying attention to this you ran the powershells you got the details down like 30 lines so people could understand yeah why did you keep going and follow along with this and what did you become within like this mini community of celsius creditors so i guess the way that i've always tried to explain it to you I guess I would say my critics to be be kind is if you look at if you go to a see people that are doing volunteering at a homeless shelter or the lawyers that do the pro bono work, you know, no fees incurred at these, you know, big law firms and stuff like that where they take on free clients or your missionaries that are going overseas like they tend to do that because of passion, not because of any other incentive that they're getting and after working closely with the ad hoc groups and just getting a i mean i spent weeks <laughs> really kind of digging into their things and just seeing the absolute financial turmoil that these people were in i mean we we found folks that i mean they had their entire house they sold a house and put it in the celsius before it collapsed i mean we had people lose their their homes That's literally That's and awful. you know as somebody who's in a position that I'm blessed, you know, I grew up, you know, my family wasn't well off, you know, but we got by, but as seeing somebody, seeing people who's put their entire lives into this program and then getting destroyed. I mean, like I look as like, 
who couldn't have a little bit of compassion and want to help these people? Like, I don't spend an inordinate amount of time on this, so to speak. Like, people go, oh, you tweet all the time. I'm like, yeah, but, you know, everyone, everyone has a phone. Like, it takes no time for me to quickly, you know, look at a tweet and reply. You know, I work in a field where I have at least three monitors on at all times. So, I mean, having Twitter up on a side screen takes no no energy to look at. And so a lot of what I do is stuff that can be done in 10, 15 minutes of work anyways. And after 18 months, I mean, I have reams of data that I can pull from. I have all the documents already converted into Excel files. And, you know, I have them in templates that I can easily cross-reference. So, I mean, like these days, I mean, it's it's really not a a challenge for me, so to speak, to, or I guess a big time investment. But to go back to your end point, the reason why I continue to stay involved is because I think that creditors deserve better than what they've been getting. They've been run around far too much. They've been provided with dirty data is a good way, I guess, to explain it. Um, and they just deserve to know what is actually happening, especially now that they've been, they're, basically force investors into a startup and statistically startups fail. Yeah. So, I mean, they, they deserve to know what's happening. Definitely. Okay. Appreciate you giving the background on that part. Let's go and talk about uh, the proceedings of the chapter 11 over the last year. So they went to chapter 11, I believe it was like end of 2022, same time that everything, everything was happening with FTX. Um, I think it was June or July. Okay, so halfway like through the 15th year. 15th or 16th, yeah. They and they started going through that. Okay, okay. And they started going through all the proceedings there. Uh, there's the bidding process. There's a few entities that popped up. Tell me a little bit about that. And then tell me how we got to the Fahrenheit deal. And then we'll stop there and go through what happened with the Fahrenheit deal, which itself also went through like sort of like a, a split. Yeah, so I'll try to talk to the best of my knowledge on this. Primarily, my focus has been on more of the financial side. So how is mining how has mining been working? What's looking reasonable on the business side? So I haven't there's some areas where like I'm knowledgeable and then so pardon if I'm more vague in some topics here. But the bidding happened. Um it was the first bid session didn't go great <laughs> from my understanding. Obviously, I wasn't involved and you know I'm not. I don't have any of that attorney privilege to to see any of that, but from my understanding was basically was it was like a dozen or so potential bidders, and like none of them initially were really that great. But Nova Wolf ended up winning, which is basically the subsidiary of Beowulf, which is another they do kind of the same thing, but they do more of like the infrastructure building and stuff. And where Nova Wolf was their Bitcoin mining side. Um. I believe Tiffany Fong put out a uh, a leak of all the bids that she received. <laughs> and it basically put like no nobody really wanted to touch mining. Um there was basically bids for the assets, there was bids for the crypto, um there was bids for the, like the business, but everyone basically universally was like sell is not going to come in the token. We don't want anything to do with that in mining was out of the picture for basically all of them. I mean, even was that because it was a bad time in the mining markets or cause that's eventually what basically was broken up was the mining entity and then the rest of the was sold. So that's interesting. I think at the time, I mean, this was, this was what late 2022, early 2023. Yeah. Depth of the bear market. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, so we were, we were deep into that, but I mean, we were already seeing at that point that Bitcoin was coming back out. The margins were getting a little bit better. Not great, but they were getting better. But I found it was very interesting that the debtor at the time was promoting, you know, mining still back then as like the future. But then you have big companies like Binance with billions of just liquid capital being like, now nah, we don't even want to touch it. <laughs> so, I mean, it, it kind of put into context of like, the mining might not be in the best state. And that was something I had been advocating for that, you know, their metrics, even going back to 2022, you know, were not great. I mean, they were, you know, 
earning revenue, you know, I'm sorry, I'm, I'm looking at my tables on the sides if anyone's wondering why I'm looking to the side. So, so pardon all my extra calculations on the far side over here. <laughs> I do a lot of napkin style math too when I'm looking at different things. Um, but we can see even going back to July, right down here, they were only net, they were only generating like 2.7 million in revenue for an expense of 9.3 million of direct expenses. And it really wasn't getting better. October, they had a, a decent month, you know, 13, 13 million, but then it basically dips right back down. And this November through like February, I believe was the time period of when they were working through that bid process. That was when like different parties were coming through. It's also when they lost uh, the core scientific deal. <laughs> um, so this is uh, November 22 through February, February 23. Yeah. Okay. And you can see a big point there is like, so in December they had 65,000 rigs on this column here that were hashing. And then they immediately plummet to 28,000 rigs in January. And that is when they, from December to January, they basically blew up. They as in Celsius management blew up the core scientific deal. Um, mm -hmm. And that was basically down to, they didn't want to pay the pass through expenses and they were held up on the term tariffs which was in the contract, the way that I understand that transpired is core, basically the energy expenses through 2022 were going up. Everyone knows anyone who's been following Bitcoin mining knows that energy expenses had skyrocketed and the energy providers and the hosting providers were having to do more pass throughs. Celsius management didn't like that <laughs> and they pushed hard back. What was frustrating is at the time, even then, you know, it was, it was a couple million dollars per month and pass through, maybe a couple million. I think it was only like two cents additional per kilowatt mm -hmm. hour of pass through. So, I mean, like, not great, but like in the scheme of if you believe that Bitcoin was pumping, two cents per kilowatt hour is not the end of the world if you expect Bitcoin to hit 40, 50, 60,000. And I did the math the other day, and they basically gave up over $140 million in potential Bitcoin mining by cutting out the core scientific deal in the Mawson deals. Sheesh. It for potentially $10, 15000000 million in additional expenses. So, I mean, like they lost net of upwards of $125, $130 million. Dang. So that, that revenue would be like $140, $150. And then what was the cost before getting that additional surcharge? Do you know? Um. So look... I did. I went through the. We had all their different contracts of their energy rates. So we had their Easy Blockchain rates. We had their Luna Mawson rates. We had their Constellation Energy Provider and Mothership was their their primary energy sources. Mm -hmm. And I actually broke down all of their bills into their different you know different fee ranges. So everything from you know kilowatt weight, opex rates hosting fees, infrastructure costs, operating margin fees, you know, taxes. <laughs> yeah. Basically, I, I tried to go through all of their bills and basically categorize them by their line items. And it ended up turning out their true cost of kilowatt was about 10 cents per kilowatt. Ooh, that's tough. Yep. That is not good. Yeah. So, I mean, it was, it was rough. I mean, so... Their easy blockchain rate was about 13 cents. Their Luna Mawson rate was about 11 cents. And then their constellation rate was about 8 cents, which the constellation should primarily be like their styles, East styles, um, self-hosted locations. Gotcha. And so a blended mix of basically 10 cents per kilowatt hour, which, which was rough, which means any paths or expenses it would have put their pass-through expense for like their primary cell phone sites up to about ten cents, so they would have been about probably about eleven cents or so mixed yeah. average. Okay, yeah. The follow-up question there was just to point out that they were probably mining in the red, no matter what at that point, because I, you know, at that rate, you can't really mine profitably, especially when it was thirty you know, k or less Bitcoin at the time. So there's no, there was no chance that they were mining profitably, and that was yeah, that was something that both irritated the 
some of the community when I was discussing it and others, because like what I was doing back 2022, early 2023 was a lot of that was focused on month over month comparisons. So where are we at this month? What's it looking like? What's our trajectory for mining looking like? And so obviously I was reporting a lot of red <laughs> because I mean, you're in the hole, you know, eight to $12 million a month. I mean, like that's not good. You, you yeah. can't, you can't run that. Yeah. And the tough part about that is you still have like these depreciating assets, right? And you have these contracts and sometimes there's charges for not fulfilling the contracts. And sometimes you yep. have to get the assets out of those hosting facilities if you're not taking the energy. And so you have to go find a place to deposit these ASICs. So it can be quite the headache if you don't have the energy secured correctly. Um, let's go to the next part of the deal. So my understanding is that uh, it was Nova Wolf, correct me if I'm wrong, I'm saying that incorrectly. And yep. Yep. Nova Wolf, and then there was also Fahrenheit came in at the same time. And there might have been, the Binance was in this at some point, but essentially Fahrenheit ended up winning the deal. It was a collaboration yeah, so, of multiple people. Well, so Nova Wolf won the first bid cycle. So they won the first bid. And then parties got together and was like, hey, let's do a stocking horse. Let's see if we can make these terms a little bit better, you know. Let's see if we can add value. And so there became a stocking horse bid. And so basically that was bid round two because basically it was after Tiffany Fong leaked those things, it became quite evident that in some people's eyes, better bids for creditors were overlooked in favor of a bid that was better for the company, if that makes sense. So Binance from my understanding, the way I looked at it, offered a far better cash incentive to creditors and to victims. But they didn't offer anything for the business. So they went with, you know, somebody that was going to offer, you know, potential recovery for creditors at a certain percent. That was not great at the time. I think it was like sub 30%. But it allowed the mining business and the business itself to move forward, to go forward. So they did a stocking horse bid. That ended up then winning it for the Fahrenheit conglomeration, corporations, however you want to refer to them. Um, and then they basically got the win bid with uh, the partner of USBTC. So that's kind of when like USBTC and Fahrenheit came into play was okay. mid mid 2023. I think it was like April, May off the top yeah. of my head, somewhere around that time. In the competitive world of Bitcoin mining, one name stands out, CleanSpark, America's Bitcoin miner. At CleanSpark, efficiency isn't just a goal, it's our standard. Our sophisticated facilities are built and led by expert teams who care about Bitcoin and the communities we work in. Scale, we've mastered it. Our large-scale operations have set us apart in the industry as examples of community-oriented building. Our track record speaks for itself. We navigate the complexities of the new economy with precision and with skill, continuously achieving operational milestones. Curious about how we do it? We invite you to discover the story behind CleanSpark's success at cleanspark.com. Yeah, we've had US Bitcoin on the show a few times. Uh, Ashford Gnoon, he's been on at least two times, uh, started detailing this. And then also, of course, US Bitcoin went through the merger with HUD8 at the same time. And then previously to all of this, US Bitcoin had picked up a lot of the Compute North assets that had you know, gone to Chapter 11 as well. Uh, so yep. we'll get back to some of that Compute North US Bitcoin information in this case, actually, at, probably towards the end of the show, because we had some new info around that but yeah basically yeah and we both are laughing about that before the show Ugh. basically the next part here was that the fahrenheit group kind of broke up a little bit it seems like around september something happened i never really quite understood what happened but basically us bitcoin yeah got the mining thing. operation yeah, yeah so I'll, I'll allow you to go through it all <laughs> i i don't there's a lot of speculation i'll try, I'll try not to speculate i'll try to keep it focused on facts that we know to the best of my knowledge um but without speculating there was issues um and those issues came to a head with fahrenheit when the sec denied 
a lot of the business. <laughs> so they had basically a four prong of um, the lending. They had mining. They had staking. And then they basically like the general business was still going to be in play. And the SEC was like, no, nah, you ain't doing any of that because you don't got financials that are clean enough to run that. They're like, you can do mining because mining has been basically its own subsidiary. And basically, once it got its initial funding from creditors, it's more or less floated. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then on top of that, we had the Kraken, the Coinbase, and the Binance hits by the SEC. Like yep. boom, 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 all during 2023. I don't know which dates those all came out, but almost all of them incorporated some sort of staking element where the SEC doesn't like staking. They don't like the fact that these exchanges are operating staking. And so yeah. when I first saw this happening with Fahrenheit, I was actually a little bit surprised that they would move forward with it because the precedent had already been set that they were probably going to be walking into some sort of lawsuit with the SEC. But even before that, the SEC had to approve the Chapter 11 process and had to prove all this so that was surprising to me. And it seems like that broke up whatever agreement had been made with the Fahrenheit creditors and the Fahrenheit group. And we moved into a new situation there where the assets for Fahrenheit were going to be sold off uh, or liquidated. Some would be returned crypto and some would be you know, returned on PayPal via fiat. And then the mining elements would just go to US Bitcoin that would manage all of its mining operations yep. at the same time. HUD-8 and US Bitcoin merged at the time. So now HUD-8 is, is banned all those things. So again, top of the yeah. show, we said there's a lot of names involved here, so it gets tricky. But yeah, um, correct me if I'm wrong on anything there. And then like, tell me about like that process from like September onwards. How did the community react to some of these changes? Were they frustrated by them? Were they okay with it? Uh, did they see it as a, in their best interest? So the community was definitely not excited. I don't think they had really been the community's basically been kind of run around for two years at this point. I mean, like they've not been given really clear insight on what the process has been going on. They've not been given good financial records. They've not been given good, like, Hey, this is what we're working on. So, I mean, like when they seen the four, the four pillars of the, the reorg, a lot of the community was like, a lot of this doesn't seem like it's even going to be feasible i mean like i remember back in like i think it was like february or march when it first posted within like 30 minutes i was like the, the staking's never going to happen <laughs> the sec has been slaughtering every business that's attempting to stake right now in america and i'm like that's just good luck but it's not happening <laughs> yeah i don't want to speculate there but it just seems odd that that was included in the proposal uh tell me about well, like the staking, the... go ahead the staking was the only profitable side of the business at the time so oh, i mean they okay. they wanted to make I'm, I'm gonna this is off the top math but i i remember vaguely that i think it was like something like 30 million a month okay that they were actually netting on pure staking where at the time like mining was losing half mm -hmm. of that a month <laughs> so I was I wasn't surprised they wanted to go for it because like it was actually profitable at you know things like eight hundred million Ethereum being staked at the time and yeah. they were just making what three percent four percent or something like that so I mean like eight hundred million dollars worth of yeah they had about eight hundred million dollars worth at the time and like it was it was even at like a couple percent it was making substantial amount yeah. of just net revenue just by just sitting there yeah so okay wasn't surprising. Um, so for the community but, aspect here, what does it mean to be a part of the community and how do we define that? Because when I look at the numbers for who voted for things to go through, it does look like it was a pretty high percentage. Um, I don't remember the percentage off the top of my head, but like these things have to go through you know, the courts, the judge has to agree on it, but then also the community has to vote on it to my understanding and like agree with whatever is moving forward. So well, how, do, how do you define that and explain to me a little bit? So I'm going to kind of ruffle feathers in terms of normal business aspects but i always view that vote as an appearance of choice not an actual choice for a lot of creditors anyone who had a clawback exposure if they didn't vote for the plan they would be liable for that amount so i mean you have folks right off the bat they're like i'm only going to get 35 percent at the time and I have an exposure that's going to chew that away. So I'm going to get zero. What's the point? What, why have I even been here for? 
And so a lot of folks that were in convenience class were in, you know, different classes that were high risk. Um, I think it was like a hundred thousand exposure or below. If you agree to the plan, they would basically be like, okay, you don't owe us anything. <laughs> and so a lot of, a lot of the folks, especially in all of chapter 11 cases that you look through the Voyager case. Um, if you go through any others, like a lot of times it's not really a choice. It's just, which is the better choice potentially. And I don't think a lot of creditors, the burnout at the time was bad. Creditors were just desperate. Like the, I mean, they were basically pushing that this was going to end in 2023 if we voted or not if we, as in myself, but as creditors, if they voted for the plan, they were shooting for December 31st, 2023. You guys get your money back. And so I, I think that as a, as a group of creditors that have been suffering for years at that point, like they just wanted to be done. And it provided them the most liquid crypto that they could get at the time. It provided them protections for clawbacks if they were under 100,000. It provided a more incentive for convenience class and general earn classes got better incentives. And so, I mean, like there was, there was a lot of pros, but then at the same time, the, the big con was you're going to be in a mining business now that <laughs> you, you've already through Alex Masinkshi spent $800 million of your Bitcoin on that. Then we got liquidated. And so that money is poofed gone. There's part of your hole right there. Sorry. Anyone who's not followed, there was, there's multi-billion dollar hole in the Celsius account balances. So $800 million of their initial investment was already gone. And so by the time that this case is going to end there, the Celsius community is going to already spend over a billion dollars. I think it's about 1.1, $1.2 billion. That's insane. On this mining business that today, Day doesn't even have seven exahashes worth of capacity online right now. <laughs> that is so bad. So it's, it's <laughs> over $1 billion to not even get seven exahash. That's frightening. Yeah. And it, it's bad because, I mean, they, they spent $800 million up front for their initial sites. Uh, Styles. Yeah. Let me pull up the my lovely list. So they, they spent basically $800 million to buy... 122, 127,000 rigs at the time for their Garden City, Rebel, Styles, and East Styles facilities. And those facilities, respectively, were only 12 kilowatts, 25 kilowatts, 20 kilowatts, and 30 kilowatts. Not exactly, Sheesh. not exactly, you know, 87 megawatts combined. What was alarming was they bought 120 plus thousand. ASICs back in 2021 and they only bought enough facility infrastructure and started construction on enough facility infrastructure for 26,700, 800, give or take. And so, I mean, you had a, a delta of, you know, nearly a hundred thousand that just yeah. didn't have a home and like they didn't have good contracts, you know, as we found out from core, you know, they core only gave them, you know, I think like, 40,000 or something like that. Yeah. And Mawson yeah. was like 20,000. So, I mean, like, they still had a, a, a gaping hole of, we have rigs, we don't have a place to put them. And on top of that, they purchased at the top, didn't purchase, they purchased infrastructure at the top, they didn't have home. A classic mining story. Now, I'm just kind of thinking right now, it'd be interesting to line up the Block 5 mining situation, the Celsius mining situation, and maybe a few of the other like pubco miners out there and see how like their chapter 11s proceeded from a mining angle. It does become very hard to mine when you're in chapter 11 because you have to go through the court proceedings to make decisions. There's so many managers on hands and yeah. during a, a mining well, bear go, market, you have to make decisions quickly. Well, what's, what's crazy, right? Is they, the court early on in the case gave basically a free pass. They gave them the, the authorization to conduct business as normal throughout chapter 11. So, because chapter 11 is a reorganization, you still need to yeah. run the business. Yeah. Um, and the only parts that were really frozen was the crypto lending and like the custodian side of things. So like 
you know, the Celsius mining was still basically allowed full reign to do what they needed to do. Just wasn't operating correctly. Yeah. Correct. I mean, they were they were still amending contracts. They were changing energy providers. They were working to get new hosting agreements. I mean, they were working. Yeah. But yeah. a lot of the principles of business just weren't being followed in my perspective. Let's move over and talk about what happened after the bidding process went through and US Bitcoin got the bid for all the Celsius mining assets in terms of managing them and they had the management contract. So let's define what that management contract entailed. And then let's talk about the merger with HUT-8, which I think we can probably spend the remaining time in the episode about because it's a pretty big deal uh, that all these Celsius creditors are now kind of lumped into HUD-8 and that merger. But we'll start with the US Bitcoin yeah. part. Like, What are they getting out of this in terms of like, managing this fleet? Yeah, so basically what they're managing is the existing infrastructure for Celsius, which I won't go, if you want me to go through those names again, I can. But they're managing the existing sites and the new site, uh, Cedarvale, Texas. So they're going to get that. And I think that pushes them, if you go off the energy contract for Cedarvale, we'll push them over the 300 megawatts of total energy capacity. The problem with that is there's, for Cedarvale specifically, is there's environmental studies that need to be conducted per the state's requirement that is going to limit their capacity for probably a while. Um, the state on core scientific's filings even put out whose core scientific sold Celsius, the Cedarvale facility. That facility was marked as non-feasible and non-viable by core themselves and they shut it down in 2022 it's going to take at least a year to build the initial 100 megawatts of capacity and then anything over 100 megawatts is probably going to require that study to be finished and it's going to be at least 12 to 24 months before that that is fully operational and that's about three 300 megawatts of contractual capacity they don't have the infrastructure for it, though. So, I mean, that, mm -hmm. that needs to be a big caveat. Like, you have it on paper that you can have 300 megawatts, but the state, on the other hand, goes, we don't have the infrastructure at a state level to provide you with that capacity right now. And there's no buildings, there's no substations, there's no transformers. It's just, like, the access to 300 megawatts is what they're claiming. So, yeah, so they, they have... The, they have 20 megawatts, as far as I'm aware right now, of actual infrastructure, um, and they can get up to 100, I believe, on that infrastructure with some... They got. They need to get a new liquid transformers, who I believe is what Core decided to take with them when they took their toys, <laughs> which was uh, 240 megawatts of transformer. <laughs> Yikes. Big boy. Um, yeah, um, so they don't have that. They have about 20 megawatts right now, and I believe just regional capacity was only about like 100 150 yeah. so that's going to be rough um the problem for them too is also going to be the cedarville site is some i-beams and a roof and it doesn't even have walls on most of the facility um core was yeah. intelligent they they build their facilities on a template and so that template means everything that's in this facility can go to that facility <laughs> And so they basically took everything, including breaker boxes, out of the walls and took them with them when they sold was, it. To was Celsius. that the agreement with Celsius to be able to do that? Yep. They they wow. had a a nice long list of items to be excluded from the sale, and that included basically everything down to like breaker boxes and the two hundred and forty kilo or megawatt liquid transformer. Wow, I've been and, to one of course facilities. Uh, and yeah, you're right. They do like this cathedral style. They're pretty cool. Yep. Um, yeah, it's yeah. it's smart. I mean, like I know they're in the chapter 11 or they just exited the chapter 11. Yeah. But if you want to build a big mining operation, modularity is probably the smart way to play. Because if one facility, for instance, you know, energy grid costs far more, you know, than you were projecting at one point, you could just basically just take your stuff and just move it to another facility. Yeah, and it plugs yeah. and plays. So I mean, they they were they were smart. I mean, I'll give them credit for that. Um, but yeah, so I mean, they're to go back to your question, they're going to be handling all of those sites. Um, also, caveats into the fact that 
part of that agreement was Celsius was going to receive 20,000 hosting slots at USBTC's site Delta. And Marathon now owns site Delta and told USBTC and HUD 8, uh, your contract's over in April. Bye bye. And I'm just like, so those slots are gone. <laughs> let's uh, let's talk about the Hut Eight deal first, so we can give context for that. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so, basically, Hut Eight and US Bitcoin had announced about a year ago this time, maybe even a little sooner or earlier, that they had intended to merge. Uh, merger of equals is what they stated. Uh, Hut Eight was bringing to the table a ton of Bitcoin mining operations and some HPC stuff in Canada. Uh, I think they were make, looking for their next move to get, you know, past that two to three X hash mark. And then yeah. US Bitcoin had gone through all of like 2020, 2021, uh, sort of scooping up assets from Chapter 11 cases, most notably Compute North, where they picked up management contracts and the rights to this energy uh, for Kearney, Nebraska, a site there, and yeah. then also two sites, I believe, in Texas. Um, and so... They got all that seemed like a good deal, perhaps where, you know, US Bitcoin is bringing energy and hosting management contracts to the table. HUD-8 is bringing Bitcoin and pre-experience on running operations to the table. seemed like a pretty good deal. Yeah. Uh, going to the winter, though, people started looking at this and be like, oh, we don't really like that. US Bitcoin is involved on this side and HUD-8 has this thing. So there's like a lot of grumbling around it. Um, I don't want to get too far into speculation here. I want to hand it over to you. Tell me about how this was perceived in the Celsius community or the various the people that you see in the Celsius community. So, I mean, it started off rocky to begin with. So when the HUD-8 USB-TC merger was basically announced, media and other sources, basically the way it was perceived was that HUD-8 is basically through this USB-TC merger buying air quotes again for the listeners celsius assets and that was a big misconception going around on the media for quite a while and the community was not very pleased because hut 8 their management was not really doing anything to kind of correct the record especially because they were mid-merger and you know having that misconception potentially of hey we might be getting 122,000 s19 pros look at us like I didn't, they didn't really, the way I perceived it, had a good vested interest in correcting that record because the way the community and their shareholders were looking at it was, hey, this is a boon for us. And so that that's kind of my take is that they, they didn't clean up the record. It, it very frustrated Celsius creditors because they were basically being like, hey, you're not buying our assets. You're getting management rights and, and we're literally paying you to manage you're not buying us <laughs> you know it was a completely different contextual understanding between celsius creditors and shareholders that we were seeing for hut eight and so the community wasn't very pleased with that um and then just kind of it it's continued to kind of be a snowball effect where there's still there's a lot of people still not pleased with the way that certain things are being presented um for example the other day when the the completion of the chapter 11 for Celsius, they basically made it appear that they were getting 12 exahashes of current hashing capacity, 300 megawatts of energy capacity online right away under management. And I was like, I I put a, a correction on them. I was like, you're getting up to up to 12 exahashes of capacity and up to 300 megawatts of energy you, you currently have about seven exahashes online with about six exahashes sitting in crates in the warehouse <laughs> so i mean like it's just from my perspective and i see a lot of community frustration mm-hmm. too is that there's there's a lot of massaging of critical details to make oh i mean that's welcome to bitcoin mining my friend (laughs) that is everyone does that uh it's bad it's not good it's it's not good for shareholders especially for these public companies now right and if you're a hud shareholder or someone else associated with this you're probably not looking at this and be like okay that's great because the information's not as accurate as it should be um yeah 
And what, what's funny is on the information is not as accurate as it should be. HUD-8 has a disclaimer in their monthly reports for their Bitcoin mining that says, hey, the numbers won't add up in our monthly report. And I'm just like, then why are we releasing a monthly report if you're self-owned? What do they mean by that? Well, like specifically, because that seems like an odd comment to put in a public relations for investors. Yeah. So the, the actual quote is the management service figures reflected in this table included the self-mining hosted metrics from the sites where HUD-8 manages services, businesses, in addition to services, layers, and operations of the site, blah, 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 blah. Total energy capacity under management, total deployed miners under management, and total hash rate under management figures are not reflected in this table and basically goes on to say, like, they're not going to add up. <laughs> and I'm just like, and that's bullet point eight on the December and January. If anyone mm -hmm. wants to look at that, that's bullet point number eight under their notes section. So if anyone wants to, to cross-reference my comments, feel free. But I, I always found it was a head scratch. I'm like, why are we releasing a monthly report to show our metrics? And to show show your metrics per site and per contract basis, but then they don't add up accurately. It's yeah, just, it's never been helpful. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I could say in, in their defense, this is a, a common case in all uh, Bitcoin mining companies. I think it's just the fact that a lot of these companies don't have a lot of staff on hand. I mean, it's they are publicly listed, but they typically don't have the staff. And then there's also in nefarious cases, there are people trying to be misleading, but I think it's also there's not a lot of standardization within Bitcoin yeah. mining. Um, but I know that they use, I know that most of these miners use dashboards and they use asset definitely. tracking software. And so I know that they can see it. I mean, I've looked at some of the, the dashboards that these different companies use. Like, I find it a little bit disingenuous that yeah. companies would say they don't quite know what they got when most of the dashboards especially the big ones coming from like say like brain and stuff like that you know yeah. i know that that they can like they can tear into these metrics and be like we've got every we, we got everything that we want <laughs> definitely definitely so. is there which which go to the marathon deal that we hinted at earlier so yeah, as of like yesterday i believe it was marathon digital announced that they uh had essentially come to an agreement with US Bitcoin for US Bitcoin not to be operating the Kearney site and the Granberry site that yep. Marathon Digital purchased from the creditor of the Compute North Chapter 11 case, which was Generate Capital. Generate Capital had appointed US Bitcoin, or, or correct me if I'm wrong. <laughs> no, 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 I'm not correcting you. I'm just all the different names. And I'm just like oh, shaking yeah, my head the at like the, the layers upon layers upon the, the layers. The layers is onion. Yeah, just to, yeah. to keep going there, Generate Capital. Uh, came in, they were the big backer behind Compute North, which Compute North went under, I believe, sometime in 2021 or 2022. Yep. Uh, US Bitcoin was won the bid essentially to operate all these sites on behalf of Generate. Generate is a credit and lending group. They have no interest in yeah. running a Bitcoin mining site. So US Bitcoin got in there. US Bitcoin was running all these sites. Marathon Digital went and purchased these sites from Generate, and now they want to operate them themselves. Why does this matter for US Bitcoin and for Celsius holders and for HUD-8? I think it just comes down to revenue, right? Operations is a large stream of revenue. Uh, and if yeah. you, you lose that in one swift move. So looking at the, the S4 merger documents for USBTC and HUD-8, USBTC was basically generating roughly 20-25% 20, of their, their net revenue at the time of that filing from hosting and management um they had something like it was uh 80 82 million 160 thousand at the time for the year end on this uh their s4 and basically 16 16.4 million and 7.5 million respectively was just from their hosting and management side so i mean like a good sizable portion was coming from that and the problem with that, and I will share another spreadsheet here. So this was the December table that I just kind of corrected to reflect the post-April changes. And we can see before 
you know, they had a total energy capacity of 839 megawatts. And you can see two of the big sites, Shirley and Delta, accounted for 400 megawatts of that capacity. So that was basically roughly 110,000 miners that I, I use, I because I, I'm in Celsius so much, I tend to average out at S19 Pro 32, 3250 uh, watts per, per asset to kind of give my baselines, if that makes sense. So just for anyone who's looking at the numbers and goes, hey, that doesn't add up to what those were hosted. Like, I have data on one asset type because that is 90% of what this company is working with. So I use that to kind of do my averages. Um, but post-April, they're going to be down to 439 megawatts. And they basically lost all of their, their hosting and management. But what didn't change, or what did change, is... 300 of that is going to be Celsius energy. So what's going to happen in April is you're going to see Charlie Delta fall off the table. And it's going to be basically all of the Celsius place plus Cedarville, which is going to make up, you know, 300 megawatts of their managed. So it's a loss for them, but like it kind of balances the scales a little bit. Um, if anything, I think they're, going to be slightly better off because averaging out their, their breakup fee per month, it looks like they're making somewhere around like $4 million a month in management fees for these sites. And Celsius is going to pay them $5 million. Yeah. I mean, sometimes that's the good thing where you get an asset off your hands so you can focus on other core parts of your business. So that's yeah. happened many times in Bitcoin mining where you go out and you purchase too much and you, you're not, you underestimate how hard it is to get units on rack. So yeah, um, the problem the problem for Celsius, so this is where it comes kind of in the, with Celsius creditors, is the USBTC site Delta offered and contractually signed back last year to host 20,000 ASICs for Celsius. They've now lost that opportunity because obviously the sites have been sold and Marathon's like, we need you to vacate our facilities so we can actually host our own assets. So. They don't have to obligate like Marathon's under no obligation to follow that contract. I mean, they bought bought an entire facility. I mean, it's theirs now. So they're yeah. under no obligations to follow that. And I doubt they're going to follow it because they have S21s coming in. <laughs> yep. And I uh I expect that they'd want S21s generating a hundred percent revenue for them versus S19J pros generating sub 30% for them. Yeah. So Expect I, more I, uh, contract talk is what I'm hearing right now. Yeah. More news about that in the next few weeks, probably. Yeah. And I mean, the problem for creditors for Celsius is, I mean, that drops them down to, so I track a lot of their contracts um, yeah. throughout the entire case. And they were at a little over 90,000 slots under contract um, total. So their cell phone plus their, their contractual hosted agreements put them a bit over 90,000. But they only have seventy thousand now, and they have one hundred twenty-seven thousand rigs. So gotcha. they're going to be struggling, and they only have sixty-eight thousand three hundred and one as of December actually energized. So it's going to get rough. Um, I know I post on my Twitter for those who follow um, or want to follow. I we the community has basically determined what the Celsius mining wallet potentially is, and we also know with a strong degree based on their metrics, their reports, their daily mind averages. We, we're pretty strong on this is their wallet. And it, it's showing that really only about 40,000 rigs are actually mining at any given time. Hmm. So their uptime percent is still not great. Okay. <laughs> Dang. Okay. So not a great picture to end the show on, but where do you think things go from here as we kind of close out? Because we got to like sort of the end of the saga, this most recent information from recording time on friday yeah, february 2nd here absolutely so i've had the opportunity thankfully to talk with matt and i'm, I'm gonna butcher his last name again <laughs> uh Prusat, Prusat. which is yeah which is yeah. the new ceo coming in for celsius's mining business which is now called ionic digital yeah um i had the pleasure of speaking with him last night for about half an hour on twitter um in private and he's basically he understands 
the problem, especially in terms of like community sentiment, where the creditors are at and what they're expecting. And what the creditors are expecting is a clear understanding of what is actually happening with the business. So clear metrics, you know, monthly updates, you know, stopping all the puffery. We're going to see how this goes. Um, I provided him a template with, you know, different ways of reporting the metrics, you know, what he might use and what he might not use will be up to them. But I think what they need to, what Iconic Digital really needs to focus on is business fundamentals. They need to work on lean processes um, and a lot of just take it back down to the roots. I know a lot of people in Bitcoin, especially during the bulls, they would rather throw money at a problem than fix a problem. And in order for Celsius, especially being so far behind, and their fleet sounds great at 127,000, you know, ASICs. But at 12 exahashes a second, that puts them at the bottom of the pack in comparison to everyone else who's buying S21s on the road to, you know, 50, 60, 70 exahashes. I mean, like they're... And they're uh, joules per terahash, right? Like you want to be closer to that 17 joules per terahash S21s are at as opposed to... Yeah, uh, you're up Celsius. to 30, 35 joules per terahash for a lot of these units. And Celsius is sitting at the 30 joules per terahash. I mean, they, they're they not running a modern fleet. They were good during the last cycle, but the joules per terahash, I mean, has just plummeted. Yeah. <laughs> and so, I mean, you, you've got to... Their financial situation is tight. No matter how you look at it, I mean, they have 20, 225 million in capitalization with no debt air quotes on that um but 225 million goes fast when you've already basically scheduled build outs for cedarvale that cost 120 million for year one and basically another 120 for year two i mean like your your capital is basically spent in all yeah. but actuality so i mean they need to work on running a lean business they need to work on streamlining contracts boosting their efficiency rates and just really narrowing down on what their problems are and how to fix those without spending an enormous amount of money. <laughs> so that's a leadership. That's going to be a leadership problem. I mean, that's not the rank and file really can't fix that. The leadership needs to do, yeah, you know, proper analysis work on their business and fix the problems. And yeah, you know, we'll, we'll see if they have that capability. Um, I don't see any of them with any backgrounds or experiences with like Lean Six Sigma or any of like the other business professional analysis methods. <laughs> so, I mean, we'll, we shall see how they do, but I think they, they need to go back down to roots in the end of the day. Bitcoin mm -hmm. mining, as much as people hate to hear it, is basically just a manufacturing business. You have inputs and outputs. Yeah. And, you know, you need to make sure that your inputs don't you know, cause any issues to your outputs. And I mean, it's, it's basically business fundamentals 101 that they need to get back to. Yeah. If they can do that. I mean, they can run a lean, you know, low cost, high margin business. I mean, they have the assets to be successful. It's just going to be a matter of tightening, tightening the belt and getting it done. Keith, that was great. Thank you for joining the show today. Where can people find out more about yourself or keep up to date with your work or get in touch with you? Yeah, so I mean, everything, uh, I primarily post everything on my Twitter, which is kindly put in parentheses. That's Chazon KE on Twitter. Um, I post short form and long form tweets. So if anyone wants to check that out, um, that's primarily way. If you want to message me, you'll need to at me and then be like, hey, I want to chat. Because um, <laughs> I, 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 the amount of people that have sent less than pleasant things over the course of this, uh, this bankruptcy proceeding has made me not keep my DMS open. <laughs> cool. We'll talk again with you soon here. I'm sure uh, if you enjoyed the show, thanks for listening and give us a like subs subscription on our YouTube channel or give us a five-star rating on Spotify, wherever else you listen to the show. Okay. Keith, talk to you with you again soon here. Thank you very much. Have a good one.
Why? Why? If you Why? have T-Mobile 5G home internet, you might be hearing this Why? a lot. Why? Every time your internet slows down during the busiest hours. Why? Why? Because your network gives priority to cell phone users. Why? Why? Good question. Why not switch to Cox Internet with two times faster download speeds than T-Mobile 5G home internet during peak hours? Okay. Stop the whys and visit cox.com slash 5G home for details. T-Mobile prioritizes certain T-Mobile phone users over home internet users during times of congestion. Hopefully this is the last time you hear this ad because with Chime Checking Account, features like fee-free overdraft up to $200 with SpotMe and getting paid up to two days early with direct deposit, you can probably treat yourself to an ad-free upgrade to spend more time listening to your favorite podcasts or at least grab yourself an extra morning latte this month. Join millions of Chime members who work on their financial progress with fee-free overdraft and no monthly fees. When you find new ways to save, you can reach your financial goals easier and still have the occasional treat. Take more control of your finances and say goodbye to monthly fees. Open your account in minutes at chime.com goals 24. That's chime.com goals 24. Chime feels like progress. Banking services and debit card provided by the Bancorp Bank N.A. or Stride Bank N.A. members FDIC. Spot me eligibility requirements and overdraft limits apply. Terms and conditions apply. Go to chime.com slash disclosures for details.